This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. I've heard it said, Merry Christmas, so many times in the last few days. In fact, I was out and about today going around doing different things, errands and stopping in the stores and in the post office and where all the different places I went and opening doors for people. And Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. I just heard it so many times. And it's a great thing to hear. I just saw, you know, we have, we have that um, on, our, on, our, on our cable. We have those music channels, you know, that they have that are way up in the high numbers and you kind of stumble on by accident, and you, and you put them on, and they have a Christmas music station right now that just plays Christmas music. And on the screen, they put little tidbits of trivia on there about Christmas songs and different things. And I was sitting there, you know, watching that, uh, mesmerized by it, I guess, the other day. And one of the things that popped up said, Merry Christmas never really became a popular saying until the story A Christmas Carol came out you know, and Merry Christmas, and they began to say in that, and, and, uh, and so then it became more popular to say Merry Christmas, uh, and it's a fun time of year, and people smile, and people seem to be a little bit in better spirits, uh, people for who are down here visiting from Pennsylvania drive a little bit faster, and so it's, you know, it, it just makes everything good uh, here on the Outer Banks, uh, but it's the most wonderful time of the year. And I guess, you know, after we've passed what happens a month ago, we get past the terror of Black Friday, our culture tends to calm down and settle into a season of feeling good in every, just, I guess in just about every community, I guess, except this year, the Outer Banks, I don't understand, but almost in every community, one of the radio stations becomes your Christmas station, you know, and they play Christmas music around the clock and, and up at least until Christmas Day, um, Gail uh, this time of year starts in, it starts now before Thanksgiving. God help us! But she gets hooked on these sappy holiday movies on Hallmark and uh, what's that Lifetime and uh, and oh you know and she's figured them all out. She she has all all the plots are the same. You know I've listened to her say here's what's going to happen tonight and we've never seen the movie and she's exactly right. Somebody is lonely. Someone unexpected shows up. The old flame shows up to complicate things. The good guy gets the girl. They kiss, and it starts to snow. And that's how all those movies, <laughs> you watch them. You watch them. That's how all those movies, that's how they all go. And she's exactly right. And she just, it doesn't matter. The story's all the same. She's got to watch them all. The warm fuzzies abound in December because it's Christmas, you know, and our songs are Christmas songs. Some of the lines from some of the songs and some of the movies that we watch this time of the year, the goose is getting fat. Hey, guess what? He's not the only one, but the goose is getting fat. And if you haven't got a hay penny, then God bless you. God bless us, everyone. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. So have a cup of cheer. I thought you put that in the, in the washing machine, you know, but, but have a cup of cheer. May your days be merry and bright. Tis the season to be jolly. But if you really hold me tight all the way home, 
will be warm. You know, who doesn't love Christmas music and the, the mood it brings? People smile more these days. Kids behave because they fear Santa will see them misbehaving. I have so much fun the last couple of years that I've grown this beard around Christmas time. And, and I'll get around little kids. I go to pick up Gwyneth at school or something. And, and I'll get around little kids somewhere and they'll look at me and they'll start giggling. And I'll look at them and I'll say, naughty or nice? They know what I'm talking about. They drink, you know, there's, there's eggnog to drink, fireplaces to light, trips around town to see all the lights. No one can say the month before Christmas, really, you think about it, it's different than any other month of the year. And it's all for good, I think, and it's all because of Christmas. But therein lies what, for the lack of a better term, I'll call the confusion of Christmas. And I'm not talking about Santa. I'm not thinking of something. I'm thinking really of something that comes each year with Christmas that not only has many confused, but I believe has eternal consequences. I want you to think with me for a moment. Who in our culture celebrates Christmas in one form or another? The answer is just about everybody. Just about everybody does. Most of us Even some Jewish people will put up Christmas trees and give out gifts. Even though they've had Hanukkah, they want to do that as well. People who may never enter the doors of a church of any kind have wrapped presents and will stuff stockings tonight. They'll take the day off tomorrow from work. They'll close down their businesses for the day. I don't know that I can personally name anyone I know who doesn't in some way celebrate Christmas, whether Christ is involved or not. Whether they say happy holidays or Merry Christmas, I can you know, I have a, I really would have to stretch my mind to think of anybody I know around me who does not, in some fashion, celebrate Christmas. And then there are those like us who will, even on Christmas Eve in the evening, go to church, some even at midnight, They'll get out and go to church at midnight as part of their Christian tradition. So what's the confusion, Rick? Is it that many center Christmas around the tree, the parties, the stockings, the gifts, the commercialization? And while Christmas is first and foremost about Christ, that's really not, that's not the confusion I have in mind tonight. I'm not going to preach that sermon to you all who are gathered here tonight in a church building where we're going to have communion, which is all about Jesus. Let's not make the assumption, however, that that for all of us here, Christ is the heart of Christmas. I don't know that. Confusion has to come with the outcome of the birth of Jesus Christ. And I think part of the confusion is due to a misunderstood, sometimes poorly translated verse in the heart of the Christmas story in Luke 2. Many of you have read that story. You've heard it read. You know, Linus quotes it in Charlie Brown's Christmas. Maybe you'll be reading it around uh, the table tomorrow in your home. It's a verse that quotes the praises of the angels as they announced the arrival of the Savior, the Messiah, in the little town of Bethlehem. Now, confusion has always been Satan's M.O., the way he operates, from the garden in Genesis 3, if you hear Sunday, to the temptation of Christ in the wilderness. 
He's used scripture and he's changed its meaning. He's twisted it around. He's taken it out of context. He implied in the garden to Eve. Then, you know, well, come on, did God really say that if you eat that fruit, you're going to die? Come on. Why would he create you just to see you die because you ate one piece of fruit? As he tempted Jesus and Jesus' temptation, he offered him all kinds of things, but things that he really couldn't deliver. But unlike Adam and Eve, Jesus, remember we talked Sunday about this, the second Adam, Jesus didn't take the bait. But amazingly, Satan has twisted not only the Christmas story, but the whole work of Christ on earth and has people thinking something very different than what was meant that silent night. The Bible tells us God is not the author of confusion, so I don't believe God wants anybody to be confused about what Christmas is about. It's not how he operates. He wants us to get it and get it right. Well, in the venerable King James Bible, historically the most used among English-speaking people, in Luke 2, verse 14, it says this, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace Goodwill toward men. We just sang a song that comes from that verse, didn't we? And from, what, from that reading, just the way it's, it's translated there, that reading can come a terrible misunderstanding. And when we misunderstand or misinterpret or deliberately, and I don't think anybody has there, twisted words, confusion can become easy. The songwriter, we just read the song, the songwriter said, okay, where's the peace? There is no peace on earth, I said. If Jesus came to bring peace, how come it's not? Did Jesus' first birth bring peace on earth? No. There were wars and insurrections and family breakups then, and we've seen them continue to this day. And we all know, if we pay any attention at all to world events, that peace is missing on earth today. Just saw the news yesterday that we're sending Marines to Sudan to get Americans out of there because of a civil war that's about to break out, something new. Yet we long for peace, we sing about peace, we wonder why everyone just can't get along. And then we read an Old Testament prophecy that said Jesus would be the Prince of Peace. And yet we know his life from his birth on. We've read the Gospels and we know that he was arrested and he was tried and he was killed and his followers persecuted many of them dying violent deaths at the hands of others there there was no peace so were the angels wrong that night was that a mistake that they said peace on earth no of course not they weren't wrong maybe how we understand it might need a little bit of help and a little bit of correction but they were not wrong But they promise peace and there is no peace. And maybe that does sound confusing to you. And at the top of all that, they also said this, not only peace, but they said goodwill toward men. You ever had anybody treat you hatefully, treat you spitefully, abuse you in any way? You ever had anybody say anything hateful to you? Have you ever had a Christian say something that they shouldn't have said to you. And we would all say, yes, I have. That's not goodwill. Goodwill toward men, they said. Well, whose goodwill? The implication is, in that verse that we just quoted, is God's. 
So then the thought is, because God gave his son Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, then God is now okay with mankind. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men from God. And there's another confusion, because how can God have goodwill toward those who took his son and crucified him? Really? And how can God have peace, have, have, have goodwill toward the billions over the centuries who have rejected him and continue to reject him today. That's confusing, but is that what that verse really says? And the answer is no. Better, more accurate translations of the most ancient Greek manuscripts of the Bible give us a clearer meaning that really doesn't confuse. For example, the English Standard Version says it this way, Glory to God in the highest, And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. That changes it significantly. What that tells us is that the peace Jesus brought wasn't meant to be, wasn't promised universally to everyone on earth. There are some people who believe that because the baby was born in Bethlehem, now everybody goes to heaven and we're happy, happy, happy. And that's not what God meant. That's not the plan. The peace was promised to those with whom God is pleased. And that's the same word pleased as the same word God used when at Jesus' baptism. You know the story of Jesus' baptism went out into the Jordan River with John the Baptist and John baptized him. And then God, one of the few times in all the Bible we're told, God's voice was audibly heard. His voice boomed from heaven. And he said what? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Same word. I'm pleased with Jesus, God said. This is my son. I'm pleased with him. And that verse said, among those with whom he is pleased. But God's not pleased with any of us like he is with Christ, is he? There's a passage in the opening of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, to that church that uses the same word for please that I think explains what the angels were saying. I want you to look, look at it with me. It should be up on the screen for you. In Ephesians chapter 1, he, God, is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And that word pleasure comes from the same word as the word pleased we read about earlier. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Here Paul's writing to believers in Christ in this passage, and he says, this is what Christmas is all about. If you've been confused by what the angels said, if you think because Jesus is born that everybody gets a free pass, this passage erases that confusion. What does it tell us? Number one, it tells us that the birth of Christ was necessary so that he could die on the cross. It didn't stop with the manger. It didn't stop with the baby. He was born so that he could live and grow up and become a man and die. Had Jesus never become human, the promise of peace was impossible. 
Jesus coming to God, living among us. Jesus coming was God, excuse me, living among us to show the human race who God is. Paul says, but to us, he showered the riches of God's kindness and grace. So we have to ask, well, who is us? Who's us, Paul? Is it all mankind? Is it all who live on the earth? And the answer is no. To those Christians, Paul made it really clear that getting in on that shower of God's kindness and grace, being part of God's grand plan to be part of his good pleasure, to be one of those with whom he's pleased, requires a relationship with him that comes by faith. A few paragraphs later, Paul reminded these Ephesians in chapter 2 that it was by grace that you've been saved through faith and this not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So the Bible's telling us, if you have faith alone in Christ alone, if you accepted his death for your life, you're living in his pleasure, and you've been given peace with God that can't be taken away. But there's a second part of God's plan in Christ. And this is also what the angels meant outside of Bethlehem that night. Number two, God wants us to know his plan that Christ fulfilled God's own good pleasure. Jesus is revealed, God revealed that plan in Jesus, in Christ. He came, Christ did, so that men no longer had to be left in the dark about how to have peace with God. It's God's pleasure. It pleases him for that mysterious plan to be revealed to us. There's no mystery anymore. How do I know God? How do I get to heaven? How can I be sure I have eternal life? It's not a mystery anymore. It's found in, answer is found in Christ. And so that we could have peace with God. The sad confusion for so many is that they think that, that just because Jesus came as a baby, everybody's okay with God. That's one big reason Nags Head Church exists, to show others how to truly know God through Christ. But there's one more aspect I want to finish up about this peace on earth that Jesus came to bring. He did come to bring peace. You find peace in Christ by knowing him. But there's also another part of that peace, and that's number three, the best is yet to come. Verse 10 said this. Look at verse 10 again. This is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Paul says this to the Ephesians, to one of the other churches, to the Galatians, I believe. He said, and when the right time had come, when the fullness of time had come, God sent Jesus, which is why we have Christmas. But then he says there's another right time coming. He's looking to the future. He will bring... And to the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago, what he's talking about here in that plan of God to bring everything under the authority of Christ is still not happened. There, There was coming, there is coming a time when the whole world will exist under the authority of Christ. And then Jesus will reign on earth as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Old Testament tells us the lion will lie down with the lamb and the little child will lead them. Are you familiar with those words, those verses? That's when that will happen. And then the weapons and swords will be beaten into plowshares, and there will be then universal peace on earth. That's his second coming, not his first. Tonight we look back to the first coming, however. This is Christmas. 
And we look back to the baby, we look back to the manger, we look back to the shepherds, realizing that the Christmas story is not the end. It was simply the first chapter of the earthly life and ministry of Jesus, a life that would end in crucifixion and death, and then in three days be resurrected, alive and again, forever. But we're also having communion, which doesn't really look so much at Christmas, it looks at the cross. But more than looking at the cross, the Bible tells us, says that when we do this, it's to remind us that he's still coming, that the peace on earth has yet to come that Jesus wants to bring. So it's always a reminder that he's still going to return. Communion at Nags Head Church is open to all who already possess this peace with God. If you know that, that you have this peace, you know this by your by your own personal faith in Jesus Christ, and you know that's brought you into his family, then we invite you, whether this is your first time with us or whether you're here all the time, we invite you to participate as we eat the bread and drink from the cup. If you're not sure that you're in that kind of relationship with God, then your participation tonight, let me encourage you for it to be as a keen observer, a seeker, which is where everybody starts. And just pass the trays on by, and, and no one here will, certainly no one will judge you. But, but our real hope is that if you don't have this peace, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, that perhaps tonight you'll embrace with your heart the Savior who loves you. Let's pray. Lord, as we get ready to eat the bread and drink from the cup that symbolize the body and the blood of your son, Jesus, who died on the cross so that we could have peace with you, so that we could be men and women with whom you are well pleased because you're pleased in your son. It's not me, God, that pleases you so much. It's the fact that I've embraced your son, Jesus, and that pleases you. As we prepare for this, I pray that we'll search our hearts that we'll look within, and that we'll see, God, that Christmas, this, this baby who was born, the one the shepherds came to worship, the one the angels told about, that he is the Savior of the world. He is the newborn king who brings peace to all whom God's pleased with. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.